Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. I'm Daryl McMullen, and this is a show dedicated to understanding the human condition, the impact it has on us, how we respond to it, how we can exceed the expectations and limitations of this world, in essence, how we can level up and live lives that serve a higher purpose. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Monday to everyone. It is September 14th. Hope you had a restful weekend. Uh, well, hopefully you were able to spend some time with friends and family and just relax in preparation for another week. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to go back to a Friday, uh, which was September 11th, and just kind of choose to remember uh, September 11th and the the crazy, ridiculous thing that happened 19 years ago um, in New York at the Twin Towers. And um, just take a moment of silence to just really put that into our hearts and remember it. There you go. All right, let's start with a minute of transparency. So one thing I've been thinking about uh, when I was preparing for this episode, uh, which is on moderation, um, I got to thinking about one of the other side effects I think that's that's going on uh, with this whole COVID thing. And uh, I call it COVID and Amazon. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, one of the side effects has been online shopping. Not that I didn't do it before the pandemic, uh, but there's definitely been an increase in the number of packages coming to our front door. Yes, we have five people living in the house, and so there is that. Um, but I just find myself buying more things. Uh, some of it's related to being in the house, and uh, you know, more of us working from home. Some, you know, there's things that we need to stock up on. Obviously, we're going through a lot more coffee. Um, buying pens and pen refills, um, all the electronic stuff, you know, computers, peripherals, uh, faster Wi-Fi, things like that. All, all of the necessar- necessary things, you know, that you can kind of rationalize as necessary because we're living in the house. And then there's the whole Jeep thing. So we, we bought a Jeep a month or two ago, um, which has a growing list of needs actually more wants the jeep's running just fine um these are just you know when you buy a jeep it's all about modifying it and adding things to it and so you know there's a growing list of fun ads for that but aside from those things i just started to realize that there might be something bigger going on uh more like you know amazon being a drug just like anything else you know when used for the right reasons and when used in moderation it's fine But when you throw moderation to the wind and fully give yourself to it, you're headed for problems. So drugs are really dangerous because they have two different sides to them. On the one hand, they seem to solve a problem for you. They make you feel good. Uh, Maybe they make you feel more extroverted or less anxious or less worried about your problems. But on the other hand, there's an addictive quality that begins to eat away at you from the inside. And this can be an emotional thing. It can be... um, 
you know, depending on the type of drug, it can be a serious medical thing as well. And so it is with online shopping. Uh, first, it solves a problem by quickly getting you things you need or most likely just want. Um, and it also fills an emotional need, right? It makes you feel good. It, it's fun getting things sent to you and, and opening packages. It's like having a birthday or Christmas every day. However, the obvious negative side is, you know, when, when you go too far by buying things you don't really need just to be buying things, um, you know, you end up with a lot of things and you've wasted a lot of money. And, and kind of the rock bottom of, of online shopping is when you're buying things on credit and actually going into debt uh, for things that you don't really need creating financial problems because of your desire to get the things sent to you. So again, this is just one of the small things that kind of came to my mind as I was preparing for this episode on moderation, which is today's topic, transcending moderation. And uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about moderation is for kids, adults are adults, and it's okay to moderate. Number one, moderation is for kids. So it's funny to me how our culture places a huge wall in our lives right around the age 18. I mean, this this wall is massive, bigger than any other wall you have at any other time in your life. And it basically keeps you from doing all sorts of things when you're younger than 18. You know, it actually locks you in, it protects you, it keeps you from seeing too much or doing too much. And then you turn 18 and somebody hands you a key that opens a little door in the wall. You step through it, and all of a sudden you're exposed to everything. No holding back, no boundaries, nobody telling you you can or can't do certain things. You're an adult, and it is now up to you to live your life the way you want to live your life. Now, just for the fun of it, here's a list of 18 things uh, you get to do when you turn 18. Uh, This is an article by uh, Miara Eisenberg on QCOnline.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. But here's 18 things. Uh, Get a tattoo, donate blood, buy fireworks, buy spray paint, sign contracts, sue someone or get sued, buy live animals, work at any job, make your own medical decisions, serve on a jury, change your name, vote, run for state office, get a bank loan, buy lottery tickets, register for selective service, get married without parental consent, and skydive without parental consent. Now I know those are some, I mean, it's a pretty big list of things, right? That you're just handed at 18. Now I know that, you know, you don't, aren't handed everything at 18. There are still some restrictions. There are a few things you can't do until you're 21. The biggest of which is drinking alcohol. But let me just tell you uh, how well that works. So my daughter has a friend who recently left the state uh, to, to go to a college in the Midwest. And because of the whole COVID situation, they had to go to a little bit early, check into their dorms, get everything ready to go. Um, and then instead of having your more traditional in-person freshman orientation stuff going on, uh, they just had the kids sit around for a week and do nothing. So what do you think they do instead? Well, they partied. Hundreds of possibly thousands of 17, 18, and 19-year-old freshmen uh, got together and partied because there was nothing else to do. And this is, on some level, 
socially acceptable, right? I mean, we look the other way. We pretend that it doesn't happen, unless something bad happens, of course. We send our kids off to college knowing that drinking is a common occurrence, fraternities, sororities, tailgating before football games, off-campus get-togethers, etc., uh, you know, each of these is fueled by alcohol oftentimes. And we look the other way as if it's a rite of passage. Now, before you start calling me a prude, just know that I'm not speaking up about it either, right? I'm not doing anything to bring about change. And I can't pretend that it, that I didn't partake in some of the same behavior when I was their own age. But as an adult, looking back, uh, you know, you can see the discrepancy with so much more clarity. Young people with little to no regard for their own personal safety, engaging in risky behavior they don't fully understand at that point. And that kind of behavior can exist even without the use of alcohol. So imagine introducing alcohol into that situation, a chemical known to decrease impulse control, and the sky's the limit when it comes to the potential for our kids to be involved in dangerous situations. You know, here's, here's kind of another way to look at the, the scenario. Pretend your sister is a 45-year-old adult female attorney with three kids. Now let's say she likes to go to parties, drinks too much. By the end of the night, half of her clothes may be off. Um, oftentimes she will get up on a small balcony and jump into a small crowded swimming pool while everyone stands around and cheers. Now would you consider this normal? Would you be okay with it? Would you have concerns about having her watch your kids at a sleepover? Most of you are aghast, saying, well, of course not. That's so inappropriate. But this is my point. How can we be uncomfortable with this behavior when we seem fine with our newbie adults engaging in the same types of behaviors in college? You know, why do we look at the other and say, oh, it's just a phase? Okay, I probably shouldn't go any farther down that road. But to summarize, our culture is built on the following concepts. Once you're 18, nobody should tell you what to do. And if you are less than 18, your life needs to be managed. So a final illustration, this is a very obvious one, the, the movie rating system, right? If you're 18, you can go see a rated R movie. If you're under 18, you can't unless you're with someone over 18. That's just the way society works. All right, number two, adults are adults. So if our culture truly believes that 18 is this magical age, you know, where a child becomes an adult, then that must mean that 18 brings the following behaviors, right? Rational thought, stability, impulse control, an identified and accepted value system, the ability to tell right from wrong, and probably the ability to moderate, correct? Which, I mean, this is our key concept for the episode. So moderation should be a part of that, right? Well, let's define it first. So moderation is defined by dictionary.com as the quality of being moderate, restraint, avoidance of extremes or excesses, and temperance. So what do you think? Does this describe every 18-year-old you know? Ha! Of course not. And you'd be lying if you said yes to that question. The answer is no, heck no. 18-year-olds are not known for restraint, moderation, avoiding excess, or being temperate. Now, there is a very wide spectrum of behavior at that age, so don't get me wrong. There, there are extremely, extremely mature 18-year-olds uh, who seem to have their heads screwed on straight, 
And then you have complete train wrecks out there doing and trying everything that comes their way. And you'll have every combination in between. Turning 18 is like being given a key that unlocks a door to a whole new world, like we talked about. You step in and realize that you don't know what you're doing, so you try things, you make mistakes, and eventually, hopefully, learn from those mistakes. But it can take a really long time. Uh, For me, I'm pretty sure 25 came and went, and I wasn't a whole lot closer to being mature, a mature adult than I was when I was 18. So back to the piece about the spectrum, you know, there are some who it happens much sooner for. And unfortunately, there are those adults who are still working on it at age 40. But we all struggle to reach a point where we can call ourselves mature adults, whatever that means. So I guess the hope is that we read the list above and we're finally able to apply it to ourselves, right? We've gained the ability to have rational thought. We're a little more stable. We have some impulse control. Uh, We have an identified and accepted value system. Uh, We have the ability to tell right from wrong a little bit easier. And we have the ability to moderate. So let's look more at that. Number three, it's okay to moderate. So let's say we've made it to some semblance of a mature adult. Uh, So are we there yet? Have we made it? Nothing more to do? Of course not. We still struggle between two worlds. On the one hand, we have the cultural view that we're adults. We can do whatever we want. Nobody should be able to tell us what to do. Then on the other hand, we're a bit more mature than that, and we understand that there are some things we just can't do or things that we should not do anytime we want to. We've learned that the ideas that pop into our heads are not always good ideas. So where do these ideas come from? Are these all just things we think up ourselves and just decide to do on our own? Or are these bad ideas that are potentially coming from other places? Transcend human and controversy theory uh, would both agree on this, that bad ideas come from a variety of places. And let's look at just four of those. So first, bad ideas can be temptations. So during the controversy theory series, we talked a lot about temptation being Satan's weapon in the controversy. If this is true, it means that Satan and or one of his damaging demons is always planting bad ideas in your head, trying to get you to do things that will set you back in life. Being a mature adult doesn't mean you are free from temptation. It means you begin to recognize them before blindly giving into them. Next, we have peer pressure. So we also discussed how Satan uses other influences in our lives, including people, people we love, people we trust, and, you know, even popular people that we don't really know, but people we may look up to. And peer pressure can be very influential in getting us to do things that we shouldn't do. But the good thing is that peer pressure can also be positive. Next, we have our environment. So, you know, maybe we had a negative upbringing. Maybe we grew up in an oppressive environment. Maybe there weren't people in our lives that were good influences on us. Whatever the case, all of these make it harder for us to see the right things to do. Bad decisions look more like normal decisions, and good decisions may not even enter our mind. And finally, bad ideas come directly from us. So human disturbance is a very real thing. 
mental health problems, anxiety, depression, mood instability, low frustration tolerance, addictive behavior, etc., our mental health can really wreak havoc with our decision making. So it's important to understand the mental health conditions that we are susceptible to and what phases of those that we are in. Only then can we plan ahead so that the emotional ups and downs don't do us in. So let's end with this. I want to walk you through a four-step decision-making process, a little, a little process you can walk yourself through anytime you come up and, and face a big life decision or something that you're like, wow, I just don't really know if this is right or wrong or, or good for me or bad for me. Um, so let's walk through this and see if it might be helpful to you. Step one, ask yourself, is this a right or wrong thing? So if it is wrong, morally wrong, or something that goes against your identified and accepted value system, choose not to do it and do not move to step two. If it's not wrong, but seems to have some questions surrounding it, then you move to step two. Step two, ask yourself, what are the observable negative outcomes? Be honest with yourself and list the cons. So the negative things that you see happen when people engage in this behavior. Then list the worst case scenario, the thing that you've seen happen when a person gives themselves fully to this behavior. Step three, ask yourself, what does moderation look like for me with this behavior? Determine how much of the behavior is acceptable for you. Set boundaries to ensure that you will not go past this acceptable amount. Step four, ask yourself, am I sticking with the plan? So after you've agreed that the behavior is something that you are able to do and you've set boundaries, you know, for yourself as far as how much you're going to do, regularly check in with yourself to see if you're abiding by these boundaries. And then if you're really serious about it, tell another person and check in with them every now and then to see if they agree with you. Uh, We call this an accountability partner. And it can be seriously helpful when you um, when you work through some of those things that you might have blind spots on. So that's it. Step one, is it a right or wrong thing? Step two, what are the observable negative outcomes? Step three, what does moderation look like for me with this behavior? And step four, am I sticking with the plan? Now this is obviously generalized, so you can apply it to a variety of decisions, but let's just pick two big life decisions and see how it could play out. So scenario one, Uh, a woman at work seems to be interested in you. She's married, you're married, but she is so interesting and it just seems to have so much in common with you. You're trying to decide what to do next. Step one, you run it through your morals and values filter and realize it goes against your core beliefs. So you decide not to pursue things with a woman at work, and you do not move to step two. Scenario one is done. Scenario two, a close friend tells you that they won over $100,000 at the casinos in the last five years. They ask you to go and suggest that they could show you the ropes. Step one, you run it through your morals and values filter list, and you determine that it doesn't necessarily go against your belief system. So you move to step two. Step two, you see that your friend appears to be very successful gambling. However, you have other friends that seem to lose all the time. 
And you've seen commercials where people have lost everything they own gambling because they've become addicted to it on some level. Step three, you decide you're going to go, but you know that you need to set boundaries for yourself. So you talk through it with your spouse and you determine that you can go a couple times a year and that you can set aside about $250 to gamble with each time you go. Once the $250 is gone, you're done. Step four, you've gone a few times and each time you've either finished ahead or you've stopped when the $250 runs out. Your spouse is okay with things and your friend is uh, complimenting you for sticking to your guns. That scenario has worked out the way the four-step process should work out. Now let's land the plane. Uh, This week, ask yourself the following questions. Where do you feel you're at on the mature adult scale? Do you still have a way to go, or are you doing a pretty good job? Number two, would you say that you're good at moderating your behavior? And three, what do you think about the four-step decision-making process? Have you ever done this in the past? even if it wasn't the four steps, but just all in your head? And do you think it would be helpful to make decisions using this process in the future? That's it, folks. Um, That's the podcast for this week. I want to thank you for being here. Uh, Hopefully this was eye-opening for you, or at least a good reminder that even as adults, we have big decisions to make, decisions that can have a huge impact on our future and the futures of our kids. Moderation is not just for kids. It's a lifelong skill that we need to learn and practice. So one final word on moderation. It's a very important piece of it, right, that we look at moderation correctly because it can help serve us well. So first, moderation is not somebody else controlling us. It is not somebody else telling us what to do. Moderation is something that we are choosing for ourselves, something that we are choosing to control in order to live the best version of our life. And that's it. Uh, As always, everyone, have a great week. Moderate, 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 and keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find ways to contact us and how to access social media channels. If you like the show, you can help us by doing the following. First, tell a few friends about the show. Uh, There's nothing better than word-of-mouth marketing. Second, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, This will make it easier to find the show and encourage others to check us out. Uh, Thanks again for subscribing, and we'll see you next time.